now tuned in to the Meesey Muse Unplugged, a pop-up podcast variety show helping consultants along their journey to greatness with your host, management consultant, author, and blogger, Christy Lindor. So for today's episode, we are doing a crossroads. And this is actually a special crossroads. I'm super excited to speak to our guest today with this individual. Um, she has just gotten a, a consulting offer, which is which is really super awesome and still wrapping up. So I, I, I you know, want to make sure we can share her story and I, you know, she can give you kind of guidance on her, like how she got started and her recruitment story, but give you ideas as if you're thinking about going into recruitment for a consulting role. And then with that, I'll also kind of give her some some guidance based on, you know, what I wish someone told me when I first started my career, because the foundation is critical. So I, I, I this is like a near and dear type of conversation to me. And, and I'm super excited and honored to introduce Michaela to the guest. So Michaela, welcome to the Misi News Unplugged. Thank you so much for having me. I've loved listening to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. No, I, I, I so appreciate you you taking time to connect. So before we, we delve into today's conversation, maybe can you take a moment and just give everyone a little bit about your background and, you know, kind of where you are in today's crossroads? Absolutely. Yeah. So currently I'm a scientist and I got into science a long time ago when I was probably just starting high school. I really liked answering questions. I liked the challenges of science. I liked that not everything was known. And that led me really into the field of neuroscience because while the heart is super important, uh, we know a lot about it, and the brain, people are going into doctor's offices every day and we still have to say, sorry, we don't know how to help you because we don't understand the brain. And that, that has really driven my, my passion for neuroscience because I want to, to help people and to answer more of those questions so that we don't have to say that anymore. So I went straight from my undergrad in uh, neuroscience to a PhD program, and I've been doing research, and I, I love the research. It's absolutely necessary, but what I've found is that it really doesn't check all of my boxes. I, I have a lot more to offer the field as far as bringing therapies to people. I really am excited about bringing patients and payers and physicians together, and that sort of passion has led me to the field of consulting. And so for the past couple years now, I've been gearing up to make that transition and I just got an offer and accepted. So I'm really excited to get started with that. Yeah. And congratulations on, on getting that. I, that, I think that's, that's super exciting. Such a good, good, good transition. I actually, Michaela, I didn't know that you had that neuroscientist background. That is like, yeah, so awesome. Like, how did how did you like decide to go into that in the first place? Did you know that as a kid? Or did you kind of tumble into it? Maybe you can share a little bit of that. Sure. Yeah, it was probably twofold. I knew personally, I had um, experience where family members had gone through stroke induced dementia. And it's a terrible, terrible process. And when I was younger, that was the first time that I really experienced the limits of modern medicine it made no sense to me that you'd go to the doctor and there's nothing they can do for you. They don't know why it happens and there's no way to treat it. 
So I've mm-hmm. always been fascinated with the brain and really wanted to to tackle that. And it's it's just a growing field. It's really taking off. So it's been an exciting place to work. Yeah, that, that's that's great. And you know, fast forward, you mentioned, you know, starting your, just getting an offer. Can you maybe share with the listeners, like what type of work, at least do you think you may be doing and and the type of firm? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So it is a boutique life sciences consulting firm. So that just means it's on the smaller side and it's focused on the life sciences, the biotech space. And that was really important to me. I, I knew that I wanted to stay in the science, but I wanted to get that business perspective. So I'll be working on science projects for pharmaceutical biotech companies, and they do everything. They try to focus more on the strategy side than the operations side, but they do a lot of market entry, a lot of positioning, some competitive intelligence, and I expect to just learn a lot (laughs) and for all of my projects to be pretty new and and exciting for the (laughs) probably the next five years. Yeah, that's, that's great. And I guess for the, you know, the types of projects when you were going through the recruitment effort, did they share a little bit of, of, of kind of the typical, the typical lifestyle, life cycle of a project? You know, so I know like some, yeah, some consulting firms, it's like a couple, couple of months, a couple of weeks, some are like year, year long sprints, like they share that. Yeah. So I actually, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. They had the unique opportunity to participate in some of these summer programs. So what some of the life sciences consulting firms have started to do is they'll bring candidates in who are applying this cycle in the summer. And you'll apply. So it's a phone interview, sometimes two phone interviews with fit questions and a case interview. And they'll go from 100 or hundreds of candidates down to about 12. And what they'll do is they'll bring you into the office and they'll show you how they work, basically. So it was actually an incredible opportunity because you get to meet with tons of people in the firm. You get to get an idea of how they work, what the culture's like, and they bring you through an actual case that they've done with, obviously, it's codified and everything. But you start out with a question and you've got a a little team of uh, also (laughs) aspiring consultants. And they give you a little bit of guidance. They say, okay, here's how we would do our qualitative research. Here's how we would do our quantitative research. And, you know, here's how we put our slides together sort of thing. But then you present to the partners and and principals and other people in the role that you're hoping to go into. And it gives you a great idea for how they structure their cases, how they task their cases, and what sort of deliverables that they produce for clients. So that's actually how I got my offer. <laughs> I went through that process and they, they bill it as just come, come visit, you know, get to know us. But, you know, you and I both know life is an interview. You know, you need to be on your A game all the time. Mm-hmm. You can, or just be, your, be yourself. And that really paid off. They, they offered one spot and I, I got it. They, they wow. offered me the job and I took it. Yeah, that is amazing. That is that is so cool. And I love when I love when uh, firms take the time to kind of do a little bit more kind of more creative types of interview format. So you, the one yeah. you just mentioned, I think I've of, of my like 15 plus year uh, span, I think I've seen that like, maybe twice. Really? And yeah, once at a huge firm that practice the the leadership was really big on on collaboration and they wanted that type of teaming culture. So they incorporated that technique. And then another place, actually, I had interviewed and they they went through that. And and I thought that was really cool because not a lot of firms. And again, because, you know, sometimes the big firms, they don't 
they have so many people, so much to go through in the recruitment. They just, they don't have that, that type of time, but that that's good. So you got a chance to kind of, to really live it in that moment. Oh yeah. It's great for them. And it's great for us really, because they get to see, you know, when you've been working from eight till 9 PM or 8 AM to 9 PM for three days straight, you know, can you still hold a conversation at dinner? Can you still, you know, stand up and present? Like, how do you interact with your team? They're watching the whole time. Right. So they are. it was really great for them. Yeah. And and I want to go back to a point you just made, Michaela, because it's so spot on about, you know, the life is an interview moment. Yeah. I, I think what I've where I've seen sometimes aspiring consultants where they may fall into the trap is when they have what I actually call social interviews. So there are sometimes opportunities where you may meet a partner for lunch or someone for breakfast or even for, for drinks. I, I've seen interviews and, 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 and experienced them as kind of those types of, of, of tactics. And, you know, I think sometimes, you know, con, you know, aspiring, especially candidates, they may think like, oh, it's it's just drinks. It's just breakfast. Oh, we're just, you know, and they, they kind of let their guard down. And yeah. that is a test. So, so, so listeners out there, if you're going through the recruitment process and you, you get selected to have those types of one-on-one, those type of what I call high, high touch interview opportunities, you're still being interviewed. So I'm going to just kind of, you know, spoiler alert, do not think like you're, you're in there and everything's good. And then you start kind of like, you know, getting a little too casual. So, you know, it's still an interview. So, so thank you for, and- for reminding me about that. Yeah. And I'd just like to add, you know, it's not easy. (laughs) I am not naturally a person who, you know, when you're tired, everybody gets tired. You know, I, I wouldn't, I would rather just curl up with a book than start a conversation with someone that I don't know. I think that's, you know, fairly normal, but you need to, you need to practice it. Honestly, I, I went out and networked my butt off and just people that I was comfortable with and then slowly worked my way up to people, you know, that really could make a difference in my career and and just tried to get comfortable with putting myself in that situation and being able to to be comfortable and be myself and that was really important for me to do. Yeah. And and kind of to that point Michaela, what you just what you just talked about is kind of what I call kind of being able to, of the ability to flex your style. That's another key point and I you know I talk about it in my book, you know, in terms of being a great consultant, just because you may be one way by default you have to learn how to adapt and flex and bend and, and kind of like you, Michaela, I'm actually, people may not realize this, but I'm actually a very introvert person like you. Really? I, yeah. Like, you know, for, like, just like you, I'm, I prefer to be home or just, you know, read my book, get online, do read. Like I, I, I so love those like alone moments, but <laughs> I chose a career that in order for me to be successful at it, at least here in the U S for me to be successful, I have to, I had to adapt. And so I've now, I've built up a muscle. So now I can like go off and talk and I can spend the whole day talking to people and networking. And then like, when I get home, you know, I, my husband knows like I'm exhausted <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I just, I just need to decompress. I need to recenter back to like the way I'm normally am. But I, now I do it. I don't even think about it anymore. It's like a, an unconscious competence, right? I just, I yeah. just, I just do it and I, I go in and out of that mode really, really easily. So it's good that, it's you know, skill. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good that you're, you've learned that early on. Cause I think in the beginning of my career, I didn't do that per se. I really kind of stayed within like the way I, I, I am by default. 
And I think sometimes, you know, there were missed opportunities. I, I felt like I left a lot on the table, you know, just kind of not, not like flexing. So it's good that you know that up front. Sure. Yeah, I've definitely been working on it. So I, I would encourage anybody out there to, to practice, even practice with me, you know, practice with Christy, just call people up, ask them out for coffee and, and just, you know, talk about that. It doesn't have to be all work either, you know, right. and talk about your lives. Everybody's human. So yeah. just try to, to be able to do that. Today's episode is brought to you on behalf of the Misi Muse. 100 plus selected practices, unwritten rules and habits of great consultants, a book by Christy Lindor. Written in the voice of a mentor, the Misi Muse provides insights on the unwritten rules of great consultants, a perfect read for new or aspiring consultants. Christy dives into her 15 plus years of consulting experience while sharing interviews and anecdotes from over 50 consulting partners and leaders that represents thought leadership from 80% of the top 10 consulting firms in the world. Pre-sale begins shortly. Sign up at www.macymuse.com. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. So, so you know, let's kind of take a step back, Michaela, and kind of talk through your recruitment story. So what were, yeah. what were some of the things that you felt that you did, you know, I, you, you mentioned earlier about case interviews, like what were some of the things that you did to prepare that you felt like really kind of help you become like and, and differentiate your, your candidacy versus others? Yeah. So I was pretty purposeful. I knew that there were certain elements and boxes that I needed to check. And so it honestly isn't just one thing. I think all of these things um, are absolutely necessary. So it was the case prep, the networking, the internal experience, the external experience, and then the general biotech news. And I'll go through each of these. So for the case prep, I started probably about six months ago doing a case a week um, with our local case practice group. And I would do you know, just try to learn as much as I could from more experienced members. And then building up towards the week of, I knew it was going to be a phone interview. So I practiced on the phone at least a case a day for a couple of weeks, which sounds intense. I know everybody's different, but I needed that level of practice to feel really confident in my abilities. So Mm -hmm. that, that worked really well for me. And then the networking, I also, I tried to be purposeful about it and not just waste uh, an opportunity. So anytime that a name was mentioned, anytime I had a question about something, instead of, say, Googling it, like, how do you do a SWOT analysis, I would call up a consultant and say, hey, would you be interested in getting coffee with me? You know, I'm looking to get into the consulting field. And I have this specific thing that I'm, I'm trying to learn. And that really helps me because Sometimes those conversations can be awkward, but when you have an actual thing that you're trying to learn, hey, I need to do a SWOT analysis for this volunteer consulting group I'm doing, then they get to learn a little bit more about you, and they're able to give you some tangible advice and help. And you can keep in touch with them, say, hey, thank you so much. We just had the wrap-up, and and it was great. Your advice was so helpful. So I found that form of networking really helpful and effective. And then I tried to get all of the internal experience I could get. So at my current university where I'm doing my PhD, we have a business club, we have a graduate student council, we have a case competition, and I started a volunteer consulting firm, basically, uh, 
because I knew that I was going to need to get all of the real world experience. Consultants don't actually sit across from each other and practice cases. That's not what a consultant does. What they do is they work on projects. So I wanted to be exposed to as many projects type work as I could. And I did that internally. And then once I felt that I kind of had a little bit under my belt internally with students teaching students, I said, okay, I really need some external experiences. So through my network, and I, I actually had three different connections at a single place where I wanted to do an internship before I got the internship and, and being able to work in an actual, they were a venture creation firm. So they have a lot of early stage companies and being able to see what they do on a daily basis was really helpful. And being able to see how fast they have to work, how they have to work on incomplete information, what kind of things they were asking from me, that was fantastic and really validated a lot of what I had done before, but also expanded my, my knowledge and my vocabulary so I felt confident in saying, yeah, this is how parts of the biotech industry work. You know, this is how a small company operates, which I never would have been able to do if I, if I hadn't seen it. And then the last thing is reading biotech news. So here I really recommend doing whatever you like, <laughs> because if you like it, you're more likely to do it. So there are all kinds of newsletters out there like Fierce Biotech, Fierce Pharma, and you can get email subscriptions and they'll, they'll send you emails every day. But if you're not someone who's going to click on those and read them, then find something else. There are amazing podcasts. One consultant actually recommended Twitter. Um, I asked, you know, where do you get your biotech news? How do you stay up on, on what's current? And this consultant actually said Twitter. They, they have a feed full of all kinds of different news outlets and companies, and that's how they get their info. And I found that those little bites just really accessible. And so now on my commute into work, I'll read the, the Twitter feed for the day, and that keeps me up to date. So that was really helpful in the case interviews because they're definitely looking for you to know the industry not just have the basics of the case. So yeah, that was a lot, but that's, those are sort of the five things that I would say you have to, you have to have under your belt. So listeners, I, I hope you hear, this is, um, so, so to me, this is ladies and gentlemen, what I call the making of a rock store right here. What Michaela just said. <laughs> I mean, I, you just said so Thank much you. and you just kind of covered like most of the things that I, I would have covered. I think where you took to me where it became rockstar status is when you were like, oh, yeah, I started a volunteer consulting firm to get experience. <laughs> like, that's you just, just got to do it. You just yeah, do it. absolutely. Absolutely. I'm all about just got to do it. And so kudos to you, your firm. I, I think they're so lucky to have you. And I, I'm sure they knew it. I'm sure they knew it, too, when you when you walked in and and, and you know, you were prepared. So. You, you all follow Michaela, like everything she just said, like all you got to do, she's giving you, she just like laid out a playbook, like literally for those out there, you can just go back, listen to this podcast uh, episode one more time, pass it on. If you want to get a, a great, a great role in, in consulting, do, you know, take a page from her playbook and I think you'll, you'll be great. You know, when you think about like the practice of, you know, the one case a day, I just want to kind of go back to that because I think that's an important yeah. piece. I know I hear um, sometimes people talk about, well, in order to, you know, to really good, good at cases, you have to do at least 
X amount of cases. So I've heard numbers from like, well, you got to have at least 15 cases or you've got to do at least 20 or 30 or 40 or 50, whatever. And right. I think it goes back. And, and, and I like what you just said about you kind of knew where you were and you knew like you needed to do the case a day in order for you to kind of build up where you needed to go. And I think that's an important, I think that's an important base to, to play from. So while yes, you know, listeners, you may have people that's telling you like, oh, you got to do X amount of cases. I think it goes back to knowing like where you are assessing, you know, what, where your skill sets are with cases, wh- whether it's from a quantitative perspective or qualitative and where you need to be, you know, and how much time do you have to do that? And for you, for you, Michaela, you made it work where for you, it was about the, the case a day. Yeah. When, when you were doing the case a day, was it, you know, did you have like a, a specific focus? Like, were you just, you know, trying to get faster at calculations or trying to kind of talk through the different things? Like, what were some of the things that you were focusing when you were doing the case a day? Yeah, so I knew, and it, it turned out to be true, that al- almost all of the cases I had in this early sort of interview stage were market sizing and market entry in the life sciences space. So I specifically requested from my case partner that we do those types of cases. And so I got really comfortable with them. And not that they were, I heard, you know, in some of your other episodes, it is hard. You don't want to be sound automatic with them, but you want to be comfortable enough that you can get into the details of what they're asking you and adapt it. So I did mostly market entry um, and tried to find some, some tricky ones so that I would be prepared for a curveball. And the math was huge because it, when you're under pressure, all of a sudden, the simplest things <laughs> become really hard. So I, I work on the math a lot independently of the cases, and I, I asked for cases with a lot of math so that I could be more comfortable with that. And I think the point where I felt good about it was where my case partner was like, yep, you nailed it. And you could go through a couple of those and be like, yeah, okay, like it was a different disease. It was a different drug. You know, but I, I was able to pull out what I knew about the industry and, and benchmark pricing and say, yeah, that's a good market size or no, that's not a good market size. So all of that felt really good. And then obviously in the interviews, they're still scary, but it obviously works because I, I got in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And, and, and so with that, like, I have one last question before I kind of, I want to pivot for a second here. Like, what? advice, you know, Michaela, would you give to those that are in your shoe, you know, kind of in the throes of looking for a consulting role or, you know, the the fall coming, you know, begins the new recruitment season for many individuals? Like what what advice would you give them knowing what you know now, now that you've gotten your your first offer? Yeah, well, everything obviously that I just said, that those are the basics, the bread and butter, you're going to need that to get an interview, you're going to need the networking, you're going to need to be able to perform in a case interview. If I were to add some cherry on top of that, performing, you know, in this summer program for three days with people, what I saw is that there and what I've heard from your other podcast too, Christy, is that you need to be client ready as well. And that's really important, almost more important than if you have the best structure, the best strategy out there. You know, I grew up in a restaurant. My family had a restaurant. I learned very early on that, you know, the customer is always right. You need to be able to present yourself in a professional way, no matter if you're stressed, no matter if they're challenging you, you need to really stay positive and, and try to bring the team together always. And, and don't, don't freak out. (laughs) 
if at all possible, and and try to stay positive and just move forward. That that would be my advice in this whole process because it's stressful and it's hard. But if you can do that, you'll be pretty well off. Awesome. Good. Well, well said. Well said. I think, you know, kind of going back to the the volunteer consulting firm, I actually would love to have you on a future episode just to talk through that. And, yeah. you know, for people that may be interested in, in, in kind of creating that opportunity for themselves the way you did, I, I think that would be a unique perspective. So I don't know if you would mind in the future, Michaela, to think about maybe coming back and talking through that for those that may be, be, may be interested. Yeah. That was an incredibly rewarding experience. So I would, I would really encourage other people to do it as well. Yeah. 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 So, so with that, I, like I said, last night, I I took time to really think about like, what would be kind of the top 10 things that I wish someone told me going into my first career. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pass these on to you. And I actually, I wrote down a couple books as well that I think you should, you, you know, you should think about picking up while you're getting ready. That for me were were kind of books that help really help define and refine my brand. But before I go into the books, I'm actually I'm gonna go through my list here. And I feel like I have 10, but I can already tell like just from our conversation and just how like awesome you are, like I probably wanna <laughs> add a couple more just off the cuff. <laughs> I got my pen ready. Oh, okay, okay. Well, and again, you can always I'm sure you can play this back in the future, but I think the first thing well. And, and again, I'm going to tell you, this is from a lessons learned. This is like what I would give my younger self, like the day, you know, a couple days or months before I started my, my, my very, very first career, uh, consulting career. So the first one, I think, I think it starts with self and it, it goes to like, you know, you have to go in with the mindset of like learning and experimenting and stretching and, and go into that, go, cause, cause I, I really believe that whatever mindset you go in with is what are the types of experiences you manifest into your life. And when I say that, meaning if you go in with the mindset, like, you know, your first job, you go in with the mindset that you're like, say like, oh my gosh, I, I hope I do okay. I hope, you know, you know, I hope, but you know, my, the, 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 my clients like me, or I hope that my leadership likes me. If you go in with that mindset that you, with that doubt, guess what? That doubt and the, that like, nervousness is going to play out in the energy you give off it's going to play out in the decisions you make and it it, it really kind of can can just kind of project a level of uncertainty and kind of awkward situations that happen to you so I, I feel like that's the first thing and you're in the neuroscience so this you probably already get you know from a kind of a scientific <laughs> scientific perspective so I'm probably speaking you know talking to the preaching to the choir here but I think going in with that mindset like saying you know what I'm going to learn, I'm going to do the best that I can, and I'm going to knock it out the park. And you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to have fun along the way. And I'm not going to know everything. And that's okay. Like, I think if you're open to that, I think it really, it really makes a difference. So to me, mindset is everything first and foremost. You know, the second thing I wrote was like play sponge. And I I feel like, you know, with you and the way you are, Michaela, probably, I'm I'm pretty sure you'll, you'll be doing this already. And when you're playing sponge, I like to say, you know, leverage your newbie card. When, yeah. You know, when you're new at a firm or you're, you're new, you know, whether it's your, your brand. So for you, you're like spanking brand new, straight out of school. Leverage that card to your advantage. <laughs> you, you, let me say that. Like you ever see like a little kid, if yeah. you ever, if you ever run a little kid, like between the ages of like five to seven or eight years old, they ask so many questions <laughs> and you're just like, oh so my good. gosh. 
and they but the thing is you guess what people stop and answer that questions because they're they're you know they're young and you can tell it's because they're new they want to learn they're curious so kind of th- yeah. in that same lens leverage the card ask a bazillion questions and don't be a scare don't say like oh don't don't like create self-imposed boundaries like oh maybe they don't have time for me or don't do that like just ask questions ask about the practice ask about the work ask why they do certain things why do they go to market to market the way they do like like what are some things that you should be t- thinking of when you're putting together a deliverable like what are the you know like whatever it is and don't just assume you know the answer like just ask because it's always good even yeah. if you do even if you do know the answer i think it's always good to hear it from somebody else and hear it from a different perspective. So leverage that card. Like, like do not, do not use it sparingly. Like, like really use it. So that's, what was that? Yeah. So that was, that was my number two. So my number three, I feel like you've already mentioned it was like the building of relationships. So I put for, for number three, I put like balancing both the technical side of the work and building the relationship part, but part of relationship building is learning how to sustain relationships. So it's one thing to go and meet people and create a first great impression, but it's another thing to hear what they told you in those interactions, follow back up. If it's sending them an article that you saw that connected with them, if they mentioned something about like, you know, like a a presentation they were doing, you can follow back up and say, hey, last week when we spoke, you were going to do X. Like, how did that go? You know, whatever it is, like, it's more than just networking. It's how to sustain the relationships that you've started to create. Yeah. That's another thing. Like, I don't think, you know, I wish someone told me. And I think it's so important because I know for me, the beginning of my career, I spent a lot of time building my technical side. I didn't take time to really like sustain relationships. And so super important for help your team out, help them out. Like, I think that, I think, you know, it's, it's, you know, right now, actually one of my favorite sayings, I have one of my colleagues that says like one team, one dream. That sounds really super cheesy, but it, it it's so right. Like if you're part of a team and you know, you, you're, let's say you finished whatever was been assigned to you, see who else needs help. Like, don't just wait for someone to like tell you just say, Hey, like, do you need help? Cause guess what? It's all about, I call it building consulting karma, you know, like, yeah. When when you have when you can like help somebody roll up your sleeves and help them out like in their time of need for whatever it is, it can be your 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 manager, it can be like your colleagues, it can be like a peer, it can even be someone that's younger than you that may be an intern themselves. Like, you know, help people out. Don't just wait for people to ask you for help. Because again, that that kind of helps in that sustaining of relationships. And you can you sometimes you and the, and the people come and help you in like the, the most like sometimes like really like you know, most like unforeseen times. So I think it's good to kind of help your team. Being present is my number five. So, so be present, be open-minded. When I say be present, like, don't worry about checking Twitter or checking your Facebook (laughs) or your Instagram account or checking personal things. Like when you're at work, you're at work, you know? And I think in the beginning of your career, you don't want to start to create the habit of like constantly being on your phone and hearing the dings. I actually, for me um, now, what I do, I actually put my phone away. Um, I don't have my phone out with me. Like I I leave it in my purse. Like I deliberately leave it in my purse. I don't take it with me into meetings or anything because I know like, you know, if I start to see that little light beep, you know, that little light blinking or I hear a buzz, it's going to make me like want to answer it. And so I want to make sure like my team knows I'm there with them 100% and they don't 
feel like I'm distracted. So like being present, I think is really important and being open-minded. You're going to meet a lot of really smart, amazing people that are going to have different worldviews than you. And that's okay. But so being open-minded, I think is important and not feel like you have to know the answer or you have to be right or you have to be the smartest person in the room. Because sometimes I've seen that with younger consultants. There's sometimes a little bit of a, I'm smarter than you, kind of like, I'm going to try to out-articulate you. (laughs) And you see see that dynamic play out sometimes. And and it's not about that at all. It's about us getting together, creating value for our client, helping make an impact. Like, that's what it's about. So like, it's not about these like little, kind of little like off agendas. So what else I have? So, So number six, always have an elevator pitch. And, and, and when I say an elevator pitch, so what are you doing right now? So the minute, like if someone asks you, what are you doing right now? You can say you, you have like a quick soundbite of the project you're working on or a quick soundbite of the proposal you're working on because you're going to run into people at different times. Like, you know, there's, there's the, you know, what do you do if you run into someone in an elevator? You know, that mm-hmm. pitch, there's the, what if a client comes to you and say, oh, like, what's your job on the team? You know, there's the you're at happy hour and you see like a, a leader in your practice that you've been wanting to get in, you know, a hold of them. What do you say to them? So I think it's, I think it's always having like, at least I have personally, I have five elevator pitches that's ready to go at any time. I'm seriously at any time. So depending on the audience, what is it that I, I want them to know about me in the, in the split moment that we have together? Because that in that split moment, you maybe have been able to create the space to set up coffee with them and tell them a little bit more about what you're doing. You may have created the space to get put on a new project. You may have created the space to even like hang out with, you know, hang out with them on the weekend that you didn't have just because you kind of was, you, you was right there, right, you know, right, right moment, right time, right, right words they needed to hear. And again, it doesn't always have to be, it doesn't always have to be like a thing at work. So one of the things like right now, you know, I've been talking about with folks is, you know, about my book. You know, it's not related to my work, but I have an elevator pitch. If I haven't seen someone in a while, I'm like, hey, here's what I'm working on. If I'm doing something around the house, I remember when I was first moving locations, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this. So it's or, you know, like, you know, I was telling you about my my stepson. He's going to camp later today. So I'm, you know, mm-hmm. talk, I may talk to someone about that. So it's but just always having a couple of pitches ready. So yeah. like you, you you have something to hook people so that they want to like know more about you and you kind of hook them into your world. Yeah. I think that really goes back to the skill of, of communicating with people and presenting yourself too, because some, I guess when I've seen it previously, it looks automatic, but honestly, it's, it's something that you can practice and, and be ready for. Hey, go-getters. Have feedback on today's show? Questions on consulting? Want to be a guest? We'd love to hear from you. Just drop us a line at mecmuseunplugged at gmail. That's mecmuseunplugged at gmail.com. You can also show us your support by downloading episodes, spreading the word to friends and family, or leaving us a review. Remember, Meesey Muse Unplugged is a pop-up podcast, which means we'll stick around as long as we continue to hear from you. Thank you for your support. Now back to today's show. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's always changing, right? Cause you're, you know, yeah. you're always, things are always happening. So I think it's always having those back. I call them back pocket pitches. Another thing to kind of think of, I say, know who the players are in your ecosystem. Yeah. 
that's super important. And when I say the players, like, you know, when you're, pro- and you can start to do this now, what's, what's amazing is like, this, this, this generation is so, so blessed. You have Google, which is super, you can find out so much stuff on, on Google about someone and never have met them before. And you know so much about yeah. them. So take the time, figure out like, who are the, who are the, the leaders in your, your firm? Who are people that are currently working there? Who are some of the clients? If you've got names, like start to kind of create almost like a little bit of a mosaic of, okay, here's all the different players. Here's the little d- data bites that I know of them. And you start connecting the dots, start connecting the dots. Like, are you around a lot of people that are, you know, enthusiasts, you know, they're, they're runners, for example. I remember I was on a project, everybody was a runner and it wasn't, it wasn't like by design. They just kind of gravitated towards each other, I think sometimes. So figure out like, like who are all the different people are, what roles they have, the role they have versus their level of authority and influence are two different things. So, so understanding that distinction. And just connect the dots, like just figure it out. And and that gives you an idea. When I go back to the elevator pitch, if you know, like someone's a runner and that's something that you may be doing or you're interested in it, that may be part of your pitch, you know, to say, hey, like I just started, you know, doing things and they'll, you know, say like, hey, I, I, I know you're a runner. What are some tips you can give me? And again, that may, they may not have time to talk to you in that moment. But that may say like, hey, let, let's set up time. Let's talk about that. Or, hey, you want to, I'm, I'm going to go for a run like tomorrow after work, you know, you can join me or, you know, whatever. It, it just creates the space. Yeah. And then my number 10 I put here, I, I said, learn the art of detachment when it comes to what you want. And, and I see that meaning whatever expectation or mental map that you may have of, of, of what you're going to do, it may be a little different than reality. And that's just, that's just like, that's just how it is. So you may think, oh yeah, I'm going to do like all these different things. You may do something that looks like that, but when you're in the throes of it, it's going to feel a little different and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think it goes back to like, if you have like goals or certain things you want to do, let people know. So that was one thing I wish someone told me, like, like tell people what you want to do, but at the same time, don't hold on to it, like let it go. And if you tell people what you want to do, you do good work. You kind of show that, you, you know, you, you build that trust. You build that social capital. What you want to do is going to come back to you in some way. It may not be in the time that you want it. It may not be in the way that the manner that you think it was going to happen, but it's going to happen eventually. And so I always say, learn the art of detachment. Like, so, so get used to like putting yourself out there, letting people know what you want, putting out your expectations, but then letting it go and letting the universe do its job. Yeah. Yeah, it's really important. I think it's it's really hard, particularly for me, because I, I am super focused and excited about things. So when they when they don't work out or, you know, just it's not the right time, then, you know, it's easy to get down about it and to focus on it. But if you sort of detach from it and just always focus on doing good work, it'll come around. It'll happen. It will. It does. It, it always does. And you're talking to someone. I'm, I'm similar. You and I actually have a lot of similarities, Michaela. <laughs> I am the same way. I'm I'm always like very super specific about what I want. Like I, I know exactly what it is. I And it's funny because I don't deviate. I think since I was a kid, I have certain things I definitely wanted. Once I get it, then I'm good. But until yeah. I don't, I'm, I'm laser focused on that. And I've had to learn over time. And I think it's just with time that it's going to happen. So like most of the things that I've ever wanted to do, Michaela, I've been blessed to do them. I've actually had to create new big goals because a lot of things I've already done, 
And so, but in that time, I think about the journey I took to get some of those things. And some of them, I felt like I forced the situation or, or like was, was aggressive. And I'm like, well, I didn't really have to do that. It was going to eventually happen in a, in a way, in one way or another. So now yeah. I, I just learned the art of the attachment. So put it out there, work hard towards it, work toward, you know, it may not come out the way you exactly, but it, it will eventually manifest in some way. So, yeah, I'll try. <laughs> I'll definitely try. Yeah, those are my, my my big things. Two books I would recommend for you to pick up mm-hmm. to read that were helpful for me. So the first one, if you haven't already, you may have. It's called The First 90 Days. It's by Michael Watkins. I know for me that book is, and, and that's a book, like anytime you start anything anew, I think it's a really good book because it talks about like success strategies for any, at any level, like what are things you should consider doing? So that book is really important. And if, and if listeners, if anyone out there knows the author of Michael Watkins, I would love to speak with him because his book has been, an, it's been his, his book has been an anchor in my, in my career for so long. I would love to talk to him. And then the second book, also, I would love to talk to this author. Um, it's called Be Your Own Mentor by Sheila Wellington. So I remember when I first went down, what's the path of, okay, so Be Your Own Mentor Strategies from Top Women on the Secrets of Success. Is the, is the full title of the book. Again, if anyone out there knows Sheila, I I love this woman. She doesn't know it. <laughs> I, would, I would love to. So I remember the day that I made the decision that I was going to like really take, take accountability for my career and not wait for people. I remember I didn't have yeah. mentors. And I said, and, and, and the way I, I operated, Kayla was like, if I don't have a, like, I don't have a mentor, let me, let me Google that. I remember it was like one of the first things I Googled and then I came across <laughs> her book and it was like called Be Your Own Mentor. So I was like, well, that's what I'm trying Perfect. to do. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I read that book and that really set me on a path as well. So um, again, if anyone knows Sheila, I would love to speak to her as well about that book. I write, I'd highly, highly recommend those two. Those two you'll take throughout your life, your career. And I wish you the best, Michaela. Thank you so much. This is phenomenal. I'm going to re-listen to this about 10 times. Thank you. <laughs> I cannot wait to hear. I'll, I cannot wait to hear kind of next steps in your journey. I'm going to be following you along. So anyone that starts yeah. a volunteer, anyone that starts a volunteer consulting firm definitely is, is one, one to watch for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'll keep you posted. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks again, uh, Michaela, for joining us on today's show. And go-getters, if you have a career dilemma or question, want to be a guest, feel free to drop us a line at Unplugged at Gmail. Thanks for tuning in today. And here is to your journey to greatness. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. This pop-up podcast was inspired by my upcoming book, The Misi Muse, 100 Plus Selected Practices, Unwritten Rules, and Habits of Great Consultants. I have people asking me over the last year, many questions about this book, but the one question that comes up constantly is, Christy, you have such a demanding career. How did you find time to write this book? And honestly, the answer is simple. I really sought to become the mentor that I wish I had earlier in my career. In the beginning of my career, I didn't have many mentors, um, mental maps of what success really looked like. And I really struggled with that in, in a lot of different ways. But what's nice about struggles is that I overcame them. I grew stronger, more competent, and I'm so excited where I am today in my career. I, I just want to share you know, what I've learned and be able to help you.
And so I wrote the book, you know, with my years of experience, but I also had an opportunity, an amazing opportunity to connect with over 50 or so consulting partners and leaders across the industry, sharing their stories, their antidotes, their resources on how you could be a great consultant yourself. So do me a favor, pick up your phone right now, go to www.mecmuse.com. If you scroll down, you'll see a little box to sign up for uh, the book pre-sale notification, go ahead and sign up for it. Um, I'd love to hear your feedback on uh, my book as well as the podcast. So thanks again for listening and here's to your journey to greatness.